today's guest, Dr. Richard Hossip. But if you have somebody who has achieved something in the last 10, 15, 20 years, then there's a um, there's different different story here. They have more examples, but also because they can have more examples. I mean, um, if you have that uh, thing, you have a job, you need 10 years of experience. And, and um, there's this this job ad, uh, I think, last year where they had 10 years experience with some, some uh, programming language. And that was only invented eight years ago, right? So that's kind of these things where you challenge what is happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I also saw things like this happening. So that's sometimes funny then. Um, but I think that's also the job of someone then to um, come up with the constraints and explain why this doesn't make any sense and prove um, prove them um, the other way, right? Because, yeah. Um, okay. And then a role simulation. So how, how does this work? Yeah. Um, just a little bit of, of background on that. Usually, or for the last 20, 25 years, we thought that... Um, um, the, the broad consensus in science was that cognitive ability is by far the best predictor um, of job performance. Um, and um, that is still pretty much the case. But um, recent analysis have also shown that um, kind of role-based exercises, interviews, if they're done well, can also be very good predictors and better than thought previously. So that's actually of more relevance now than I would say maybe 10 years ago um, from a scientific point of view and uh, kind of role simulations that 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 help and obviously it's a simulation right it's in the name so it's not it's not real but it's also uh, very funny um, i've conducted a couple of these executive assessments as well and when you're in a role um, role exercise kind of in a, in a role play it might be an employee appraisal interview or you simulate um, a talk to your uh, like first days or to your new team or if you're talking about um, maybe a case study and that presentation of the results is also kind of a Kind of a role play and it's funny after a while people um uh, get into what they would usually do you, you see that in the beginning they have something prepared and then structured and then after a while they kind of behave how they would behave normally or at least that's the, the perception it is definitely a simulation and it's never real real right it's kind of an artificial setting i mean they know that they're in a selection or an assessment kind of uh, uh, setting but after a while you see that they behave differently uh, because they tend to people are behavioral beings right we, we get into habits and they kind of do what they would do usually and um, that's kind of additional information that you wouldn't get um, just by asking people because it's very differently um, to say uh, what is your approach to leadership and then you say well my approach to leadership is whatever a nice prepared answer and then actually seeing how you do that because one is just the question and the the words and the other one is the actual actions so how do people behave and not just talk about behavior, but show real behavior? And I think that's very, uh, very informative. Um, albeit, obviously, it's kind of an, a little bit of an artificial setting. Um, and, and then again, obviously, you need to provide good feedback for that, right? And that's one of the things I think that is most neglected um, in the selection part is you don't provide feedback. People are too much afraid of the um, uh, legal implications of providing feedback. Um, and um, I think that's also one of the advantages of having a good job analysis, because if you have a good job analysis and then you can, you can provide feedback and you can say, we have these five criteria on three criteria. We saw that there's a gap between what we perceived your capabilities to be and what we need for the job. And that's something you can work with, right? Just saying we have considered you, but uh, another candidate got the job, uh, maybe apply again in the future. Um, that's, that's not very useful. And, 
um, personal experience of mine when people apply at our company. Um, I have now a pretty good rate of people thanking me for um, for, for for the email where I say to them we 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 can't consider you, um, and I think that's that's a pretty good sign um, when you when you explain things in a way that people um, actually get kind of useful feedback. Richard, I talked about job design. Um, job analysis and also overall how to do assessments in a very sophisticated and um, scientific way because usually it's more gut feeling or structure plus gut feeling and he has developed um, a model and um, several models on how to define um, jobs that you can derive certain interview tools and techniques from it and also to do um, a simulation of jobs that is um, predicting the likelihood of success um, of a candidate succeeding in a role, plus also how to rate the results of an assessment because that's also something not so easy. So for everybody who is um, evaluating jobs, candidates, and whatsoever, that's really um, the episode for you. Then you can build trust and then you can spend less time communicating and more time just getting shit done. Then I went home and, and thought about this sentence. We basically put it on the table. Hiring takes time. People are trained. How to objectively judge certain situations. It's very, 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 very hard to change things. That was the learning. Entrepreneurs with empathy. On the people side. Hi, Richard. So I'm um, glad to see you. Katrin Sünderhauf recommended to speak to you. And now we are here. So maybe you can tell us a bit more about um, you yourself and your journey and also um, that we're talking a bit about assessments today so um, we, we are curious thank you very much yeah thank you very much Katrin to, uh, uh, for the recommendation here and I'm glad to be here a um, little bit about uh, myself um, my name is Richard I'm the managing director and co-founder of Aplusia um, we are a software company based on um, assessment and development centers um, complex personal selection, complex personal development um, is kind of the sphere we are in and we're supporting companies in getting that, um, uh, I would like to say right, but at least better. I think that's the uh, the right aim here. Um, personal background, I um, completed a degree in business and completed degrees in uh, psychology, both undergrad and uh, postgraduate. And then I did my PhD on organizational trust at the University of Münster. And um, kind of in that time, we founded Aplusia. I have also a bit of experience in conducting these kind of um, um, professional assessment centers, management audits, kind of management appraisals. There's different different wordings around that. So mainly for executives um, in the last couple of years. And that was one of the, the driving factors also for focusing on that topic with Aplusia. And uh, yeah, now we are a team of 11 people and we uh, provide software for the HR selection as well as development. Um, that's, I think, a very interesting background for the topic you're um, nailing now. So can you tell me a bit more about what what are the main attributes that are um, defining maybe assessments for you? So how do you look at it from your perspective? Because I think you have a very um, intense education or also um, time spent around these piece from different angles which are quite um, scientific and sophisticated. So that's, I think, interesting in just um, considering um, regular maybe assessment processes of companies where they're just 
doing mostly based of based of gut feelings. <laughs> um, so, so um, how, how do you look at assessments overall from your perspective? Um, I'm I'm not um, too much of a fan of of the gut feeling in that 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 process. I think that's one important aspect. If you have a bad gut feeling about somebody, that's not a good sign. I mean, I think you should nail it down to what what it is. And I don't think that gut feeling um, should be neglected. But um, a proper assessment process. Um, at least um, consists of job analysis. So what do we actually need for that position? And then having relevant assessment tools. So that can be interviews, there can be tests, there can be questionnaires, there can be a role simulation. So really depends on the context. And then um, um, kind of comparing the results of those assessments with the, the job analysis you did uh, previously. Um, that's theoretically, at least. Uh, in practice, very often, um, there's, you know, uh, gut feeling, as you said, or semi-structured interviews at best, I would say, which, um, which is totally understandable from a resource point of view, because I mean, it's just a lot of work to do it right as most things, but there's really value in that. And I, I think, um, I, I have the co firm conviction that you need to focus on potential and kind of capabilities of people and kind of match that with the attributes of the job. Because um, if a person doesn't fit in a job, that doesn't mean that they are not a good employee or something, but they might just not fit that particular job. So you have to kind of um, also take that responsibility from an organizational perspective to focus then on how can we, can we uh, benefit the employee here or the potential employee. Um that's a good piece um, because I think analyzing the job is um, the right thing to do in the beginning. And how I usually do it is you looking first, not even at the at job description. It's more about if a person or several jobs would be filled, what would be the outcome the company would get from it? So thinking out outcome driven first in an abstract way, um, maybe also in an idealistic way. And then, deriving from that what activities are maybe needed um, to deliver to that lead to a certain outcome what's the time frame how many people are needed to do that and what are maybe the skill sets of the people and maybe also the personality types of the people and then you can break it down into functional non-functional and whatever um, and what do you need to pay for it and how long do you need to look for it right <laughs> um, so how do you look at the job analysis piece Yeah, yeah, there are different different techniques. Um, I mean, it's pretty easy if you have, a, or at least it's easier if you have somebody currently filling the role. So you can ask them, what do you actually do? What do you think is important? And, and kind of uh, these kind of things um, that might be a little bit uh, biased because, I mean, you describe yourself and people tend to, to uh, attribute positive uh, things to themselves. So it might be a little um, skewed towards the, the, the positive. Um, but um, you can also ask other people who work with that person, with that role and what they're doing and what they experience and what is important. Um, but as you said, outcome-driven is also, um, or at least take those outcomes into account is very important because um, in the end, it's about what should be done and what should be delivered in that job. What is What are you actually doing? And then, um, as you said, you can differentiate between kind of the... Um, the needed skill set in terms of technical skills. So for example, language skills, or you need to have a driver's license. That's usually the basic example, right? Um, and then you have um, um, kind of uh, personality aspects and kind of what we call soft skills, right? Um, cool. And 
who do you align this job analysis with? So is it that you um, just sit there as a recruiter or as an HR person or who, who is doing that and, and what are the stakeholders involved and what are the roles of the stakeholders? I think HR should be definitely should be involved, at least um, having the kind of the, the basic process lined out how to get to that job analysis result. Um, but definitely the, the, the function manager, the, the, um, the hiring manager or whatever you want to call that person that needs to be involved as well because they have the, the technical expertise, what is needed because HR is just a support function that, right? And I think a very important support function because they provide the expertise considering the HR part of it, like the what, how can you assess certain skills and what might be um, um, a good wording for technical skills or something like that. But the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, the kind of technical skills that you need in that job, may it be marketing, may it be IT, or may it be uh, procurement or whatever, um, that needs to be uh, needs to be um, uh, informed by the hiring manager. And um, just let me uh, let me say one thing about the recruiting in Germany. It's very interesting because we have the recruiting function, which is responsible for both the um, um, the the assessment as well as the um, uh, kind of the the attraction of talent. And that's one of the unique things we have in Germany, in the German-speaking market. In the UK and US, you usually have a differentiation between kind of attraction, talent acquisition, so to say, and then the, the actual um, selection process. So kind of the, the uh, process whereby you um, uh, kind of select between the people that you have attracted. And usually we combine that in Germany. I think that's very interesting. And I think that's not always uh, beneficial because then it's kind of muddy waters uh, where you have those people. You get in and you kind of uh, have the, your 10 candidates you have uh, uh, provided and then you want to work with those 10 or maybe get one of those 10. And um, it's kind of easier sometimes uh, when you have a less um, uh, less investment in the candidates, but whether you have kind of different functions, providing candidates, so to speak, providing always uh, kind of the, the procurement word here, um, attracting talent and then selecting the right talent for the right job. Uh, I also think it's it, it's true um, what you say, and I'm a strong believer into that. And um, I think it also has an, an, another aspect that you just cannot get really be outstanding at both, in my opinion, because it's a different skill set. And I think you also need to have different personality types usually um, for either the more assessment piece and also the attraction piece. And it's also another type of work with other skills. Yes, sets definitely. And others definitely. that deliver um, or that leverage the function, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, one is more like really marketing, employer branding, attracting people, getting people in, getting people excited about the job. And then um, um, the, the second part, the selection is a little more analytical, a little more focused, a little less hyped, uh, so to speak, and a little more focused on the, the concrete um, aspects of the job and the person. And what functions do you regular um, look at when you do job analysis with your company, maybe? Or are you, is your um, company also doing it? Mm -hmm. um, usually when, when people talk to us, they have done the job analysis. So they have the kind of the, um, the target profiles and then the target profiles um, is what they work with in our software as well. So they kind of enter the, the, the target profiles and then assess people based, uh, based on that. Um, job analysis is very tricky. Um, there are a couple of tools out there that um, may facilitate that, but then obviously it's um, also different from, from organization to organization, whether they have more kind of a soft skill focus or a technical focus. Sometimes they have job families where they have competencies mapped out, but then those competencies don't 
really match what what is actually done in the job you know sometimes you have a job description and then um if you um, give that job description to the person doing that job currently they are totally uh blasted because they're just like that's not what i do i, I do something else right and um, so that doesn't necessarily uh um, match up in case you like my show please subscribe i would really appreciate it what levels of um jobs do you think um where, where is this getting more complex because what i see where the whole job analysis piece has the biggest impact is on executive search and um, the more complex a job or a role gets um, the more intense you need to look at and the more stakeholders you need to involve but not in terms of just taking what they say also looking for the constraints each individuals say um, or or when they talk individually to you and and different things or different opinions come up, there are constraints and you are the only person that having the full overview. And then you need to be able to structure even a job into different scenarios or into different um, role types um, <laughs> and then aligning this piece. So that's, that's tricky. Um, where do you see the biggest impact of a job analysis for which function and level of seniority or, or region or whatever attribute that comes to your mind? Mm. Um, I think as with, with the general um, um, aptitude diagnostics, that's what we do. Um, it's it's based on on the complexity of the job and kind of the, the impact the job has. Um, if um, we talk about somebody who may be able to to clean the streets here, like roughly, um, um, not very thoroughly, um, we don't need a big job analysis to do that. Most people would be would be uh, would be able to do that. When we talk about doing that very fast and doing that efficiently with kind of machinery as it is done these days um, professionally, then that's a different story, right? So that's getting complex there. But usually we talk about kind of executives, um, whatever, however you want to want to define executives, uh, leadership kind of levels, and then it's also um, getting getting a little blurry again uh, because we have in the uh, today's changing world, um, um, it's kind of tricky because you're doing a job analysis for a job that might look differently in two years, three years, five years from now. So it's kind of hard to do the um, what do you need for that job when we don't know what that job will look like in a couple of years. That's kind of tricky because you need to be specific to have the criteria to assess people and kind of compare people to that job and compare that job to that strength of the, the individual person, but then also have that kind of outlook and be able to adapt to just to changing circumstances. And I think that's a, a real challenge in that. Um, and um, I think one possible solution uh, might be to um, to look also for for broader capabilities in terms of adaptability, change in terms of mental flexibility as well. How fast can people adapt to changing circumstances? And um, I don't want to, uh, you know, the, the proverb: the only constant is change. Um, um, have that kind of capability to um, not only work with that, but maybe even even thrive on that change. And when you now have defined a, a job very clearly. How would that look like? Let's say for an executive that is managing revenue for um, the Dach region, for instance. Yeah, there it's, it's a, a country manager or a regional manager, area vice president revenue <laughs> um, for a B2B SaaS company um, that needs to sell into the Dach region and needs to hit 10 million um, ARR within two years, starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. 
I think you can have very different approaches, right? So the, the, the question is, what, what is the person's job? And usually the higher up the hierarchy you, you go, the less um, technical expertise in terms of manual doing you need, right? Like they don't need to fill out um, um, uh, accounts maybe. They might, but 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 not not necessarily. It's more about communication. It's more about having the, the broader overview, more a strategic approach to that. And usually, that's when the more soft skills come into play, right? Because it's not about filing the 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 um, term sheet right or something like that, but more about how to communicate, um, how to have a different planning view, how to have an approach for the market. And that's when when more personality oriented uh, things, soft skills, um, come into play. And there are some instruments out there. Um, 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 some some personality inventories have kind of requirements profiles where you can send out links and people then um, can can say what that person might need to uh, might need to do and that helps because usually um, um, in those um, job analysis you say we need a combination of a NATO soldier and a pastor right so it's kind of a, you need somebody who's super um, uh, super ambitious super conscientious super strategic and something and never sleeps right but you need to have a kind of a, a realistic view on that as well. Uh, you need to say what what is what is realistic. A person can't be the most conscientious person in the world and see uh, like a minor detail in ten thousand numbers and then have the strategic view at the same time. That's very rare. I, I don't say that doesn't happen, but very rarely that happens. And maybe so you need to kind of align that. And would not be available for you, right? <laughs> probably, probably, and, and and that's also about the kind of what is really important and what's nice to have. And usually. Um, uh, when we talk to clients, it's sometimes very interesting. People say, we have these 10 must-haves, and then you talk with them and then say, well, of those 10 must-haves, those three are not super necessary. And I mean, then it's not a must then, right? That's by 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 definition. Um, so what is really needed, uh, what is kind of the necessary condition without um, these kind of capabilities and skills, they can't succeed in the job. And what is maybe an add-on? What is something you haven't thought about? And that's uh, usually... Um, um, also kind of a nice approach to, to get into talking with people because sometimes it's experience or whatever and they say at least 10 years I mean usually it's eight should be fine right there's very few jobs where 10 years is necessary and, and eight years doesn't suffice so it really depends on yeah, them even kind of challenging these criteria <laughs> yes right absolutely absolutely and sometimes it might even be three and a half if that has been like a crazy uh, crazy whatever exactly. um, a roller coaster ride. Exactly, it depends on the environment, right? How dynamic and how absolutely. Relevant. And also, um, this is also where I also like to look at stages. What is the environment they're coming from, and what we need to build, and so on. But let's go more into the interview tools because this is um, now something what what is uh, making me curious. So, what are the interview tools? Um, then, when you have a job like this, we can stay with the area vice president sales example if we need an example. Mm -hmm. Um, well, you have, you have different interview tools. There are different things out there. Um, uh, you can just do the, the, the very basic, I would say, um, ATS interview, and then you have a couple of criteria, and then you talk to people or in that context of that job, usually you would uh, just, uh, I mean, I think the real world example is you just sit in the room uh, or sit in the Microsoft Teams room, and then you just talk to each other roughly about experience, about things. And the um, the problem with that or the the potential problem with that is that you know there's kind of bias i don't want to go into too much detail but if you like that person it's way more likely that you're going to recommend them um uh, no matter uh, how 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 well they fit the job right just because of likability 
and and um, there's the similar to me effect, right? If somebody looks like you, speaks like you, you tend to to like them. It's just because you're used to that, right? You're used to yourself, so kind of like that's that's uh, what people what people go for. And obviously, in a still male uh, dominated workplace, that has impact for for female um, applicants for jobs. So that's just a very basic thing. I don't want to go into into too much detail about that. So. Um, it's it's important to have kind of a structured approach to that. So what are you really talking about? Also making sure that you um, just stick to fairness. I mean, if you talk 10 minutes to one candidate and an hour uh, to another candidate, it's way more likely that either the 10 minutes went super great and you definitely want to hire them or you didn't give them enough opportunity to talk about, well, themselves and how they might fit the job. So it is a, either super good or super bad, but definitely not comparable. So you need to have a little bit of structure at least. And I'm not saying that you need to time every question 60 seconds and then you cut them, uh, but uh, you need to have some comparability uh, in that. And then again, if you're talking about top management, that's also a different kind of approach. If you're having top managers, um, and then uh, kind of combining structured and, and semi-structured or little unstructured approaches would, would also be beneficial in my opinion. Yes. And I think there it's also coming more about, let's talk about what was achieved in the past and how, right? Um, instead of, um, definitely. how would you do this and that? And, <laughs> uh, yes, and so definitely. It's, it's getting way more practical. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, you can, you can ask based on experience and you can ask on like kind of potential uh, things. So you have kind of both, both um, uh, options, which is very, uh, very well researched um, as well as, as, as um, solid, as, as good um, examples. And if you're having somebody at the beginning of their career, obviously they don't have so, such a long track record to talk about. So you need to talk more about hypotheticals. Um, but if you have somebody who has achieved something in the last 10, 15, 20 years, then there's a, um, that's different, different story here. They have more examples, but also because they can have more examples. I mean, um, if you have that uh, thing, you have a job, you need 10 years of experience and, and, um, there's this, this job at, uh, I think last year where they had 10 years experience with some, some uh, programming language and that was only invented eight years ago, right? <laughs> so that's kind of these things where you challenge what is happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I also saw things like this happening. So that's sometimes funny then. Um, but I think that's also the job of someone then to um, come up with the constraints and explain why this doesn't make any sense and prove um, prove them um, the other way, right? Because, yeah. Um, okay. And then a role simulation. So how, how does this work? Yeah. Um, just a little bit of, of background on that. Usually, or for the last 20, 25 years, we thought that... Um, um, the, the broad consensus in science was that cognitive ability is by far the best predictor um, of job performance. Um, and um, that is still pretty much the case. But um, recent analysis have also shown that um, kind of role-based exercises, interviews, if they're done well, can also be very good predictors and better than thought previously. So that's actually of more relevance now than I would say maybe 10 years ago um, from a scientific point of view. And um, kind of role simulations that 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 help, and obviously it's a simulation, right? It's in the name, so it's not it's not real, but it's also uh, very funny. Um, I've conducted a couple of these executive assessments as well, and when you're in a role um, role exercise, kind of in a in a role play, it might be an employee appraisal interview, or you simulate um, a talk to your uh, like first days, or to your new team, or if you're talking about um, maybe a case study, and that presentation of the results is also kind of a kind of a role play. And it's funny, after a while, people um, 
get into what they would usually do. You, you see that in the beginning, they have something prepared and then structured. And then after a while, they kind of behave how they would behave normally, or at least that's the, the perception. It is definitely a simulation and it's never real, real, right? It's kind of an artificial setting. I mean, they know that they're in a selection or an assessment kind of uh, uh, setting. But after a while, you see that they behave differently uh, because they tend to, people are behavioral beings, right? We, we get into habits and they kind of do what they would do usually. And um, that's kind of additional information that you wouldn't get um, just by asking people because it's very differently um, to say, uh, what is your approach to leadership? And then you say, well, my approach to leadership is whatever, a nice prepared answer. And then actually seeing how you do that because one is just the question and the, the words and the other one is the actual actions. So how do people behave and not just talk about behavior, but show real behavior? And I think that's very, uh, very informative. Um, albeit obviously it's kind of an, a little bit of an artificial setting. Um, and, and then again, obviously you need to provide good feedback for that, right? And that's one of the things I think that is most neglected um, in the selection part is you don't provide feedback. People are too much afraid of the um, uh, legal implications of providing feedback. Um, and um, I think that's also one of the advantages of having a good job analysis, because if you have a good job analysis, and then you can you can provide feedback and you can say, we have these five criteria on three criteria, we saw that there's a gap between what we perceived your capabilities to be, and what we need for the job. And that's something you can work with, right? Just saying, we have considered you, but uh, another candidate got the job, uh, maybe apply again in the future. Um, that's, that's not very useful. And um, personal experience of mine, when people apply at our company, um, I have now a pretty good rate of people thanking me for, um, for, for, for the email where I say to them, we, we, we can't consider you. Um, and I think that's, that's a pretty good sign um, when, you, when you explain things in a way that people um, actually get kind of useful feedback. And I think that all organizations should do that more. And I think um, if you're having a good, good selection process, you're way way more um, um or it's way easier for you to do that because you have the actual information you need and that is i mean you can't really argue with that if you're having the criteria right it's not like we didn't like you it's about um, defined criteria in case you have any feedback or anything you want to share with me please send me an email on thomas at peoplewise.com or hit me up on linkedin and in case you really enjoy the show please subscribe i would really appreciate it Then when you have results, how, how do you rate them correctly without a bias again? Or also that you ch judge it in the right maybe context or way? Because sometimes maybe if, if an interviewer is not trained well enough and they need to assess a certain situation, which they are maybe not even capable of, but they, they're just in the seat, um, how do you make sure to anticipate that problem? Yeah, where, where, where do we start with that? That's a big question, yeah. Um, They have these kind of, uh, they call frame of reference trainings. So where you actually talk with people and show them what's kind of an example that would fit into a category and what is an example that wouldn't fit into a category. And then you need to do your, your job right, not in the interview, but you, before, because you need to have criteria that, that should be um, informative enough to be also distinguishable. Because um, sometimes you have um, very broad competencies, like you know, a strategic uh, competence and and a market overview. I mean, that's super broad. That probably means something 
for you and uh, something for me, but that might not be the same, right? So that's pretty broad. So you need to be specific um, in, in uh, aptitude diagnostics. Um, usually you do that by behavioral anchors. So you say a possible behavior by which you could judge whether that person would exhibit that behavior, very technical exp uh, explanation. So whether they do that or not, um, and then you have an example. And then you have maybe a second example. And then you need to make sure whether people need to show exactly that behavior or whether that's just one behavior they could show. So you need to make sure that there's kind of an alignment between what people understand uh, understand by that frame of reference training. And you need some, some time to spend that. But again, um, HR is not something you can just everybody does because all people deal with, with people. Um, If you're building a bridge, you wouldn't say I'm, I was quite good at math. So that shouldn't be too hard for me to construct a bridge, right? Because the statistics, that's, that's not that hard. Um, I would trust a professional with that. And again, doing these kind of interviews, um, it, it matters whether you know of these kind of things and whether you're aware of what, what, um, uh, what kind of, um, behaviors and what kind of tasks need to be done to ensure a fair and a good process. Um, and there are people who do that. I mean, if you if you focus on that in the job, um, in the studies, there are more and more business psychology uh, people who really focus on that assessment as part of their education already and then in their uh, professional experience, obviously. Um, but but definitely, um, um, usually you hear that in the in the HR. Uh, well, I've I've dealt with people for 20 odd years. I know how to conduct an interview. Turns out doesn't necessarily mean that you know that. I definitely agree. Um, and what can be um, Ablesia used for in that whole process? So you also just talked about your beliefs and how you look at things. And I think it's very, as you, as we discussed already in the beginning, scientific. So I like it. And um, what, what can your software do with that? So we, we really focus on kind of, we, we started with the problem um solving approach so what's kind of what's out there and how can we uh, how can we improve it and um we we have a, quite a lot of evidence in science um how sh things should be done roughly um but there's a, a big gap between science and practice in that so we kind of try to to bridge that and um uh, we have bridged that a couple thousand times with the the candidates that have been assessed with our software so uh, we kind of provide a framework for that so you enter your criteria, you enter your kind of behavioral anchors, and then we we guide through the process. For example, um, everybody rates the candidate based on their ratings, and they don't see the ratings of the others. You probably know the situation where you talk with the candidate, and then the candidate goes out of the door or leaves the room, leaves the virtual room, and somebody says, oh, that was not good. Right. And that, that's a huge bias. I mean, how can you say, well, I liked him, I liked her, based if somebody else Uh, at best, that's uh, your superior, right? So, so the the boss says, "I liked him" or "I didn't like him." Um, how can you disagree with them? And um, what we do with our software, we kind of split that up. So you have your own rating process. So everybody rates by themselves, and then you compare that. So you take out the kind of the um, the hierarchy bias, so to speak, and then you also get uh, get away from that um, observer shift. If somebody says that's that's good or that's great, you tend to 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 say that's great as well right because we tend to agree with people people agree with people that's that's how we work as humans so we kind of provide a, a framework for that to get um the the rating biases out of that um and because you need to set up the the criteria in the beginning you also 
um, um, I, I don't want to say forced, but maybe nudged uh, to think about these criteria, right? Because you have to enter these criteria, uh, so you need to think about them. And then in the end, we also automate the, the reporting process to so get, uh, get the results um, uh, that, that you gain through that process um, uh, as a document and then um, in your uh, preferred form. So you also um, are able to provide feedback or um, you at least enabled to provide a feedback depending on the process that sometimes happens. Sometimes it doesn't happen so much. So that depends on how you want to use that process. And what companies are using um, your software for solving which problems or um, for what situations? Mm -hmm. So that um, we have both kind of um, HR consulting companies that use our software for their clients, then conducting uh, both um, selection as well as uh, development centers. So kind of assessment centers, that's usually the name for selection processes. And then also development centers where you have internal employees and you kind of want to have a view on their um, strength and potential and how they might develop. And I'm a big fan myself of combining those two. So if you're having somebody in selection, that's a great start point for, for development purposes. Um, and um, again, if before you develop people, you should make kind of an assessment where they are, right? It doesn't make any sense to give you Chinese lessons when you already know Chinese, right? So that doesn't make sense, but you need to find that out. And in terms of Chinese, everybody says, well, sure. But in terms of leadership, nobody does that. It's just like, yeah, there's a leadership course. But maybe you don't need that. Maybe you need something else. Maybe you would profit more uh, from a communication skills course or whatever. Uh, I'm aware that those uh, two might overlap. Um, so um, we have um, those, those uh, consulting companies. And um, we also have um, organizations um, like um, like the uh, 4 um, insurance um, that um, conduct them internally. So they have selection as well as assessment um, uh, centers and conduct them internally. And we have organizations that use our software for kind of structured interviews. Um, so they do that in selection. They have structured interviews. We can also, we have a cooperation with um, uh, one um, university and we provide them with scientific evidence-based kind of uh, interview, um, interview guidelines and also with questions that they might ask um, in, uh, in the interview process and how um, better or how uh, suitable answers might look like. So also kind of the rating uh, scales there. And then they use that for their um, assessment. Um, that's one organization who's working in the healthcare sector. So they use that uh, for healthcare professionals um, to assess those, but usually um, more in kind of the management and upper management uh, scenarios, both in the group context. So, you know, the classical trainee uh, assessment center after you graduated, uh, you go into a big company and then you do those kind of things. Also development context and also a lot of um, single assessments, management audits. So higher up um, um, uh, executives, both for selection as well as assessment centers. Cool. And who is a guest that I don't know, but you know who I should interview next as Katrin um, recommended you? That's a very good question. I wasn't prepared for that. I should have been. Um, who should you rec Who should I recommend? There's a lot of people to recommend. Um, I have to think about that. I have a lot of people in mind um, and I have to, I have to uh, think about that. Uh, there's a, uh, great um, the forum assessment, um, which is um, Katrin also a member of, a former executive. Um, so there are lots of people from that sphere that I think would make a great guest for this uh, this uh, um, scenario here. Cool. Um, yeah, then Richard, thank you so much. Um, it was uh, really insightful. Um, I like the clarity of thinking and explaining, um, and it was great having you. Thank you very much for 
giving me the opportunity to be here.